0: Thank you, guys. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful uh, for that. Also, in your bulletins, you will note that uh, we are now beginning the uh, open board member nominations, and for those of you who don't know how that works, it's very simple. If you feel that uh, you would like to nominate someone for a deacon position uh, on the board, which is also our trustee board, uh, you may do so. You don't have to worry about whether they're a member or not. You don't have to know anything about them. You could just look at them and say, I think that's a really neat person. I'd like to nominate them. And then they go before a screening committee and nominating committee, so we take care of that. perhaps they're not a member yet, or things like that, but you can nominate uh, anyone for that position, and we will keep you up to date on that as well. and then also notice some of the changes. Uh, we're still uh, not having water during the week uh, because the the thing that Jim had worked on can turn the water main valve on and off out in the parking lot but we don't want to repeatedly do that we are allowed to do it we were told because it's on our property it's not at the street but we don't want to continually do that throughout the week and possibly mess up that valve so we're just making sure that we have it on for sunday so uh we do have that throughout the week and again your staff here is paying the ultimate sacrifice and price for uh using the outdoor porta potties all week long I told I told Lisa that uh, you know there are four toilets in the women's restroom, so she could go four times. You only get one flush, but <laughs> that's terrible to say that on a Sunday morning. My oh, lord, terrible, but hallelujah. Uh, anyway, uh, and also for those of you who don't know, uh, and uh, if you have. Gone to the restroom during the service you'll see there is always someone that is now walking the halls we do have some security that we've worked on with some folks here at the church that have volunteered to keep an eye on things on the doors and things like that and uh, so if you're out there and you see them looking at the parking lot or checking a door or wandering up and down they're not just wandering aimlessly they are actually uh, doing some security work just to keep an eye on things so let them do their work and uh They can still listen to the sermon in the hallways and in the other rooms. And so, amen. Take your Bibles, open them to Philippians again. We are now jumping into the third chapter of Philippians, the third chapter of Philippians. And uh, we're going to be looking at probably just the first few verses. And um, we'll stop at verse 3 because then Paul gives a bit more of a description of his own life. But starting at verse 1 in Philippians, the third chapter, finally, my brethren. So now Paul is getting to his main point of this entire little letter. And the main point, as we learned, is joy. So he says, finally, brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious. But for you, it is safe. In other words, I keep repeating this over and over again to you. Keep rejoicing, keep worshiping, keep praising God. And it's not tedious. I'm not trying to be tedious or nagging. I'm just trying to let you know that that's what we need to do. We need to live lifestyles of worship and adoration before the Lord. <clears throat> then verse 2, uh, he does something a little bit odd. After he says rejoice, he says, Beware of dogs. Beware of evildoers. Beware of the mutilations. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Very, very interesting thing that Paul does here. And so we want to begin, uh, of course, we've been in this now for a number of weeks, so let's just uh, get a a little background again of where we're at. It's been a, a long study of Paul's calling that we just got through. Remember that the theme of the letter is joy and thanksgiving, and we remember that this was based on money because the Philippians were the first church to support Paul in his missionary journeys. And even though he was in distress and under house arrest with the praetorian guard in his little room all day long and all night long, he was still joyful. He was still full of joy. And uh, this incredible passage about Jesus that we just read in the second chapter, humbling himself, therefore being exalted. And of course, we find out that's a pattern for us. We need to be humble. And as we are humbled, he exalts us. And last week, we learned about how to be a living sacrifice. The last couple of weeks, we're seeking the things of Christ. We're being an encourager. We have proven character as we work through these things. We supply the need of others, and we're faithful against all odd. We are now actually beginning to enter into, I believe, some of the most beautiful Uh, And poetic portions of the New Testament, really, that portion where Paul talks about pressing toward the prize, the upward call of God in Christ. He talks about our citizenship being in heaven, from whence we look for our Lord and Savior to change these bodies. Be anxious for nothing, right? That beautiful passage, but in prayer, and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known. Uh, Whatsoever things are noble and just and pure and lovely and virtuous in the fourth chapter. So he's moving into these beautiful passages of scripture that we see in this third and fourth chapter. But being Paul, he immediately jumps into a warning in the third chapter. So he tells us to rejoice, and then he turns right around and says, but here I'm going to warn you about something now. So rejoice, but... These, this rejoicing is sort of wrapped up in a warning for you. So he says, rejoice, in verse 1, in the Lord. And I like that. He's, he doesn't just say rejoice. He's very specific. Rejoice in the Lord. We do not rejoice in our spouses. We don't rejoice in our money. We don't rejoice in our degrees. We don't rejoice in our talents or our gifts. We don't rejoice in our church or our pastor. We don't rejoice in our homes or our possessions. We thank him for all those things. These things are all great. It's wonderful to have plumbing and electricity. We thank him for those things. But our joy and our rejoicing has to always be in Jesus. Always in him. No matter what our circumstances are. Because how many know that circumstances change pretty fast? They're like the weather. I mean, you could be really really up one day and then the next day you could be really 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 down it can change very very fast i I love the 15th chapter of jeremiah uh that in in the midst of all that israel was going through at the time they're in captivity horrible things were happening and jeremiah was the prophet and and he says in the 15th chapter in the midst of punishment for our sins being plundered without price (laughs) that's an interesting phrase in other words Everybody was just having at us for free. They were just whatever. Plundered without price. We are slaves to our enemies. We are in a strange and far off land. Wow, that's, that's like not a good situation. That's bad. That's bad. But, he says, in the 16th verse, your words were found and I ate them and your word was to me the joy and the rejoicing Of my heart. We can have that in the midst of a horrible situation. But you know what's interesting about that though? He starts off by saying, I found your words, plural. But then he says, Your word was to me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. Listen, my friends, when you find yourself in a strange land, an unfriendly land, when you find yourself in the land of sickness, when you find yourself in the land of disease, when you find yourself in the land of lack, or holiness you've got to find your word your mama's word won't work daddy's word won't work grandpa's word won't work pastor's word won't work the deacon's word won't work all these words might not necessarily work you have to find your word from the Holy Spirit oh you're all looking at me that means you've got to get your nose in this thing don't you and you've got to say, Holy Spirit, lead me. I know, I know that's happened to many of you many times, right? You've just been going through something really bad and you open the word of God and all of a sudden something just threw out the page. Boom. And there it was right in front of your face. That's the Holy Spirit. You've got to find your word. And when you find your word, keep rejoicing in the midst of that situation. Whatever you have, keep rejoicing. Whatever you don't have, Keep rejoicing. When your body feels sick, keep rejoicing. When your mind says the wrong thing, keep rejoicing. When your emotions are screaming at you, keep rejoicing. In the midst of loss, keep rejoicing. In the midst of destitution, keep rejoicing. You you can wake up on the wrong side of the bed, and all of a sudden the day starts sideways. How many know that happens a lot? Just keep rejoicing. Don't let circumstances change it. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord, because Jesus never changes. And we can rejoice in him constantly, all day long. So we keep rejoicing in him. But he does this very interesting thing, and we're going to look at three quick points today, two or three quick points, about our rejoicing and how we can rejoice. And he starts off by saying, rejoice in the Lord, but watch. He says in verse 2, beware of three things, dogs, the evil workers... And some of your Bibles say concision, and others will say mutilation. And then he jumps into the concept of circumcision. Now, we have to spend a few uh, minutes on this, uh, because I believe what Paul is doing here is he's saying, uh, how many have heard that phrase before, that that person was so heavenly-minded they were no earthly good? You know, so, so yeah, we need to keep rejoicing. We need to keep our minds on spiritual things, but you know, we really do have to go to work. We really do have to get things done on earth as well. So I believe what Paul is saying here is he's saying, I want you to be people of joy and rejoicing, but I also want your worship and your praise and your joy to be directed and protective of your life. So he says, watch out. And we're going to start with legalism. He says, watch out for legalism. Now. He he does an interesting little wordplay here, and we're going to get into this a little a little bit deep here. So, but stay with us because he he it was his fault. He did it, so we have to follow him. So he says there you got to be aware of, of the the mutilation, which the word there in the Greek is. And he does a little wordplay. He it's catatomy and paratomy. Paratomy is circumcision. Catatomy is mutilation. And he puts the two words together and he says, Watch. So we're going to have to delve into the concept of circumcision in Scripture. Uh, If you're young and you don't know what circumcision is, ask your mother or grandmother. We have some nurses here, too. You could ask nurses, they'll tell you, too. Don't ask any men, they'll get embarrassed. Now you say, well, "Wait a minute! Why is circum? Why does Paul immediately jump into circumcision? What's the big deal? That seems like such a strange thing to do. You're talking about rejoicing and worshiping God, and then you jump into circumcision. What's the deal with that? Why does he do that?" Well, the concept of circumcision is extremely important in Scripture, in the New Testament, because it was a major issue in the early church. Christian Jews were saying to. Non-Jewish Christians, that is, those that were Jewish and accepted Christ as Savior, were saying to Gentiles, Greeks and Romans, that in order to become a Christian, you first have to be circumcised and adhere to the Old Testament rituals and laws. So it became a big issue. It became such a big issue that, those of you who know, Acts, the 15th chapter, the church, they had to call a whole council together to talk about this. How do we treat these Greeks, and how do we treat these Romans and others, these barbarians that are getting saved? Should we make them adhere to the Old Testament laws and rituals, get circumcised? What should we do? Now, there were some that did. Timothy, for instance. Became circumcised. He said, I'll do it. I'll become circumcised. Titus said, What you talking about? Say what? Ain't no way. <laughs> so Titus did not, and many others did not. So you say, well, where does this all come from then? Why does Paul bring it up? Well, the the reason being is that in order to be uh, an Israelite in the Old Covenant, you had to be circumcised. And it all started with a gentleman named Abraham. Now, Abraham gets called by God, the 11th chapter of Hebrews, by faith, Abraham obeyed God when he was called. So God speaks to Abraham, and actually, circumcision itself, uh, you didn't know you were going to learn all this stuff on this Sunday, but... Circumcision itself was actually around about 2300 BC. It was prevalent, it was in Egypt. It was not real common. It was used in in spiritual rites and things like that. But it was around, so it wasn't too odd of a thing. So God calls Abraham, and he says, circumcise yourself. And Abraham, being a Chaldean, being a Canaanite, he probably scratches his head, and he says, well, that's... A little odd, but not too weird. I've heard of it. I I know some people that have had that 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 done. But here's what is odd. Here's what's very strange. I've never seen everybody's eyes like I see them right now. (laughs) Here's what's very strange. A voice out of nowhere told him to do it, and he did it. That's weird. He said, yes. Talk about faith. Remember, he was a grown man. Remember, there was no St. Elizabeth Hospital. There was no anesthesia. There was nothing. And he did it by faith. Talk about the conversation he had with Sarah. You did what, Abraham? Who told? You to do that. A voice. A voice said, Look at the stars and look at the sand. Those are the people and the nations you're going to be the father of. But first, circumcise yourself. Remember, (laughs) At this point, there was no Jehovah, per se. There was no Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. There was no Moses, there was no children of Israel. There was no pastor, no deacons, no brothers and sisters he could clear it through and talk with them about. There was none of that. He was all alone. And he said, yes. Mm. This, is, this, this is the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ, by the way it is by faith. This is what Paul's getting at. It is by faith. Our father Abraham did this by total faith and obedience to a God that had no name, out of nowhere. So that says to us, we have, like our father Abraham, salvation by faith. We have walking by faith Everything we have is by faith. Our spiritual father was a man of faith. No law, no scripture, no church, no spiritual brothers, all alone. And Paul points to this all through the New Testament. It was not the act of circumcision that Abraham did. It was because he was obedient in faith. Faith is the key. And that's why we are children of Abraham, because we are children of faith. First Peter 1, whom having not seen, you love. How do you love somebody you've never seen before? It's impossible. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. And as you receive Jesus, and as you love the one that you have not even seen, guess what Peter says, you receive the end of your faith, which is the salvation of your souls. So Paul says, rejoice, but watch. Now, I'm going to tie this all together. Believe me, I'm going to tie it all together somehow. <laughs> he, he says, you've got to rejoice in one thing, and that is you've got to rejoice in the faith that you have in Jesus, not Jewish law or circumcision or things like that, not religion. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I can have my faith in Jesus this morning and not religion. So let me give you some things that Paul says we should rejoice in. He says, number one, I can rejoice in the fact that I am a person of faith. Hallelujah faith that supersedes the law. Paul said in Romans 3, God will justify the circumcised by faith and he will also justify the uncircumcised by faith. 1 Corinthians 7, he said, circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. He said it again in Galatians 5, 6. He said it again in Galatians six fifteen. But he said, keeping the commandments of God is what matters. Listen, my friend, I'm rejoicing this morning because I don't have to be rich, just faithful. I don't have to be powerful, just faithful. I don't have to be popular, just faithful. I don't have to have a degree, I just have to be faithful. I don't have to study for years, I just have to be faithful. I don't have to follow an intricate list of laws, of do's and don'ts, and rights and wrongs. I can just be faithful. I don't have to circumcise my body. I don't have to tattoo myself with anything special. I don't have to pray at a certain time. I don't have to face a certain direction. I just have to be faithful to Jesus. Faith. Paul says, don't let anybody trap you and lie to you. It's not by religion. It's by faith. I can go even further, folks. I could be as dumb as a box of rocks and still quench every fiery dart of the devil. I can be as dumb as a box of rocks and still shut the lion's mouth. I can be the dullest tool in the shed but still tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. I can still lay hands on the sick and see them recover. I can still make disciples of the nations. I can still baptize people in the name of Jesus. I can still reach the lost. I can still pull people out of darkness. I can still walk in victory every day, not because I know anything but just because I'm faithful. Faithful. Everybody in this room can be that I'm a person of faith, thankfully not a person of a physical religious act. you know I, I was telling somebody the other day i I am so glad because you know i cannot I literally cannot keep track of a screwdriver or a wrench in my house when i when i 'm here and i and I need to tell Lisa or Jim or somebody something or Pastor Ron. I have got to write it down because by the time I get from there back to the, it's gone. I can't keep track of anything anymore. You think I'm going to keep track of a long list of religious things I got to do in order to stay saved when I can't even find a screwdriver? (laughs) I'm so glad that I can rejoice in faith this morning faith in Jesus. The second thing I can rejoice in is, is that I am the true circumcision. See, now Paul goes through, and we could spend three or four months just on circumcision because it's all through the New Testament. But I can, I can understand the fact today that I am the true circumcision. Paul says the other circumcision is mutilation of the flesh. Okay, you thought it was bad. Let's go even worse now. Ready? Everybody, here we go. It's even worse. Because Paul became so angry with these false Christians that were trying, they were called Judaizers. They were trying to, to, uh, to foist the law on new believers and add works to Jesus' work. How many know you can't add anything to what Jesus did? It's impossible. And they were trying to. And in our, in our text, he calls them mutilators, dogs, and evil workers. In Galatians, the fifth chapter, verse 12, he says, I wish, he was so mad, I wish, he said, that they would not just circumcise themselves, but that they would cut the whole thing off. Sorry. Jerome, Ambrose, Augustine, Chrysostom—they all interpreted it that way. That's how angry he was at somebody trying to add anything to the work of Jesus Christ in our lives. In other words, why don't they just kill themselves? Why don't they just get it, get, it, be done with it? Cut everything off, bleed to death, and be done with it. He was so angry. He was angry at people who were trying to add something to our faith in Jesus. Listen, folks, I am saved. Because of the work of Jesus, not my own work. I am saved because I put my trust in Jesus, not anything I can do. I'm saved by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me, unreservedly poured himself out for me. Like our father Abraham, we have stepped out of the comfort zone of our own flesh and we have chosen to walk in the Spirit and subdue our carnal base desires. We have stepped out of darkness into his glorious light. We've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son of his love we're not making our own choices anymore we're following his voice we're not doing our own desires anymore we're following what his word says in our lives we're listening to him and i can rejoice in the fact that i am the true circumcision that was made inside my heart by jesus so that's the second thing that i can be rejoicing in this morning Third thing is, and, and, and we're done now, so don't worry, we can relax. The third thing is, I can rejoice that I am complete in Jesus. I'm complete in Jesus. I don't have to do you know that you are all you will ever be until the end of eternity? There's you're not gonna get more saved when you get to heaven. You're a new creation right now. Your body's gonna catch up with you. Oh, hallelujah, won't that be someday? I've always said, we're talking about the flesh here, heaven would be living down here just the way it is, but without our flesh. Wouldn't that be wonderful? That, that itself would be heaven, but there's so much more. But I can rejoice that I am complete in Jesus. All the circum- circumstance, all the circumcisions of the Old Testament, all the circumcisions of the law, Point to one last great circumcision. You say, what's that? That's when God the Father cut off the flesh of Jesus on the cross, circumcised him from existence. That's when Jesus said, Father, why have you forsaken me? That word forsaken means literally left me alone. Gone. Father, why have you cut me off? In his flesh, he was saying that. Colossians, the second chapter, Paul repeats it. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells... All the fullness of the Godhead bodily, all, and that's wonderful, but all of those next several words are so beautiful. And you are complete in Him who is the head of all principalities and powers. Aren't you glad you're complete in Jesus this morning? And then Paul does the same thing. Guess what? He jumps right back into circumcision. In Him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without. Hands By the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, you were buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God, and raised from the dead. Listen, my friend. Jesus was cut off from the land of the living so that he could become king of both the dead and the living. He was cut off as a sin offering so that I could become the righteousness of God in Christ. His wealth was cut off so that in his poverty I might become rich. His strength was cut off and drained so that in my weakness I could become strong. Anything that adds anything to the work of Jesus turns off that beautiful spigot of his grace and love and mercy. And you become more incomplete the more you try to complete yourself. Because we are complete in him who was cut off once and for all, for all of eternity so that i could be grafted in anything that tries to add any work to what jesus did on the cross should repulse us like that old hymn nothing in my hand i bring simply to thy cross i cling that's all we have we have nothing else nothing else No one's better than anybody else in here. No one's any more spiritual than anybody else in here, per se. We're all at different levels of our walk, to be sure. We're maturing in different ways. But thank God, every one of us in here is complete if we are in Jesus. And we're working that out day by day, hour by hour. We've talked about it before. You have a position that is perfect in Jesus, but your practice... (laughs) How many are still practicing? My practice is a daily thing. And my goal in life, our goal in life, is to take our practice and make it measure up to our position eventually. But we are complete in him. Watch out for anything that promotes the flesh. I'm rejoicing this morning because I'm a person of faith. I'm a person of faith. You're a person of faith. I'm rejoicing this morning because I am the true circumcision. I am the result of all of that Old Testament law. I'm the result of what Jesus did down through history. I'm, I'm rejoicing this morning because I'm complete in Jesus. And I know that whatever I do in my life, I can now worship him in completeness and fullness every day of my life. I don't have to worry about what I do and don't do per se. I don't have to consult a book. I don't have to look up a list of things. I can just worship Him wherever I'm at, whatever I'm doing. I can confess. How many of you have confessed before Him a sin or something during the day? Isn't it wonderful that you didn't have to go to a temple somewhere? Isn't it wonderful that you didn't have to call up a person and ask to come to a confessional to confess a sin? Isn't it great that when that stupid thought hit your brain, when that dumb deed you did, you did what you did? Isn't it great that you just stopped and you said, Jesus, I'm sorry, forgive me, forgive me. I confess that sin to you in Jesus' name and help me to not do that again. How wonderful that is to walk by faith. (laughs) We are the true circumcision, and today we are the true worshipers. And that's what he gets into a little bit later that we are not the dogs, we're not the evil workers, we're not the mutilation, we're the true circumcision. That worship God in spirit. What did Jesus say to the little lady at the well? There's coming a time when people are going to worship in spirit and in truth. Spirit and in truth. Not in this mountain, not in that mountain, but all around the universe, worshiping him in spirit and truth. So I can rejoice that I'm complete, and I can rejoice that I'm a worshiper reminds me of that wonderful song i think we've done it here before but this is the time you know that one when true worshipers will worship him what a wonderful thought these are the days when my father's ways will be known of men right these are the hours when the spirit's power will move again and we worship him In spirit and in truth. Could you sing that last line with me? And we worship him in spirit and in truth. Say it personally, and I worship. And I worship him in spirit and in truth truth one more time just raise your hand and say that to him and I worship him in spirit and in truth that's why we can sing it holy 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 is your name worthy 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 let all the earth Let all the earth proclaim. He is mighty, mighty, mighty. There is no God. There is no God like you. And we worship you in spirit and stand together. I feel like we just need to sing that. Holy, holy, holy. It's holy, holy, holy is your name. Holy is your name. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Let all the earth, let all Aren't you glad he's mighty? He's mighty, mighty. There is no God. There is no God like you. And we worship you in spirit and in truth. One last time and we worship. And we worship you. In spirit and in all one last time, raise your hand to him. And we worship you in spirit and in truth. Oh, hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Oh, what a mighty God. What a mighty God. Hallelujah. Isn't it something that we could worship him? No offense to anyone in here. We could worship him without instruments even. We could worship him with just our voice. When you're at work and you can't use your voice, you could just use your mind and worship him. And where any two or three are gathered doing it, he's there, he's there. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you so much that we can be the true circumcision this morning not religious, not filled with duties, not trying to live out a certain guideline every day of our lives. But every morning, all we need to do is just wake up as your true circumcision and say, thank you, Father, that you've cut away the flesh of my heart without hands. Thank you, Father, that you've cut away the sinfulness of my life. Thank you that you've cut it all away through the powerful blood of Jesus. And all you want for me today is to look up at you as every moment I can, look up at you and say, Jesus, what do you want from me today? I want to be like my father Abraham. I want to be faithful with whatever you call me to do. So I thank you for it, Father. I thank you that we're your faithful ones, and you're going to cause us to be more and more faithful in the days ahead because this world needs to see the true circumcision. They're tired of religion. They're tired of deeds. They're tired of doing. They want a relationship with a living God like we have, and we are those. We thank you for it. Bless us as we go from this place. We continue to worship you in the spirit and truth in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. Turn around. Bless somebody in Jesus' name.